Uh, this is our third week in our series called Jesus Stories. And uh, in this story, we are looking at, par- in this series, we're looking at parables, which are stories that Jesus told to explain how life with God works. We're focusing specifically in this series on Jesus' parables that say something about generosity and giving. Today's message will be relevant, I think, to your own life and also to our life together as a church community. As many of you already know, our church family has been asking God how God wants to help us with uh, the budget shortfall that we're experiencing as a church family. And so we've asked everyone to pray and ask God what he wants to do through each of us. And we're being invited to make a pledge for six months uh, on top of whatever we're normally giving uh, beginning in November, November 1st. And so the way that this has worked is staff has pledged first, and then we had our core leaders pledge, and now it's everyone else's turn uh, to pledge. So I will say this. This is the most generous church that I have ever been a part of, right? It's really great. Um, that includes, I was at a United Methodist Church, which was great growing up, and two other vineyard churches, but this is the most generous one. And so I'm glad to be talking about generosity in a place that already is very generous. Generosity, as we've been hearing in this series, is not about the amount. Do you hear me saying that? Generosity is not about the amount. It's about the heart behind the giving. And then it's also about taking action, whatever God is asking us to do. So RHB is an excellent example of this. The way that we give as a church body is unique. In an average church, 20% of the people do 80% of the giving. At RHV, 60% of the people do 80% of the giving. That means that our giving is three times as broad as your average church. Another way to look at that is that some of us have a lot and some of us have a lot less, but God has gotten us this far together. It's really cool. God's kind of generosity means allowing God to do work through each of us. God's called us to trust him, to take care of joyfully return part of what we receive back to him. So our pledges in this campaign itself are an excellent example of that kind of thing. So I have just an update for us. You might be interested to see how we're doing. Staff members so far uh, pledged about $5,000 above our normal giving. Core leaders have pledged over $18,000, more than their average, more than they're already giving. And now that it's already everyone else's turn, we haven't officially begun yet, but um, $6,500 has already been pledged from everybody else. Um, I think it's really, really cool and encouraging. Um, and so I think we're going to put a QR code up here. If you want to, you could take out your phone if you haven't had a chance to know where the link to do that is. Um, if you use your camera, it should pull up the link so that you could get that later if you did want to hop in and make a pledge. God has gotten us this far together, and now God is being faithful in getting us through this rough patch together. God's being the same as he's been very cool. And so I have an encouragement for my own life as well. Um, I've joined uh, this giving campaign, and then I pledged what I felt like God was asking me to do. Um, and then this last week, I got a uh, something in the mail from the government. It was the state of Minnesota, I think. Um, 
and I don't know if tax return was really late or if it's like a property thing or what, uh, I, I lose track, but the government sent me money this week, it was nice, and it allowed me to actually do um, more than half of what I pledged before we even started. So I just wanna encourage you, you know, let's keep an eye out that God is able to help us do the things that he's asking us to do. Um, can I just pray that God would do that, okay? Um, God, thank you so much for your generosity so far that you've gotten us this far, that here we are. And we come to you, uh, we come to you with, you know, the current need that we have. And we believe that you're able, and we believe that what you ask us to do is good and that you're going to uh, make it possible for us. So, God, would you show us what you would have each of us do? Uh, would, you, would you just do the thing that you've always done and uh, make generosity uh, your kind of generosity be seen through us. In Jesus' name, amen. I think giving to church is like taking some of a crop and planting some of it back into the ground so that there can be a crop next year in the future. Have you ever thought about it that way? Jesus talked a lot about fields in the Bible. And one example is Luke 10, verses 1 through 2. Uh, where Jesus is sending out his disciples. He's sending out 72 disciples. And this is what he says. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. Have you ever heard that statement? That's where this is. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the fields. Okay? Today we're going to look at a story uh, where Jesus uh, is talking about a specific kind of field. He's talking about a vineyard full of grapes. And this is what I hope we leave here believing today. The harvest is worth the work and the sacrifice. The harvest that comes is worth the work and the sacrifice. In the book of Matthew, Jesus tells a story about a landowner who owns a vineyard and he's hiring some workers. But before we hear about that story, I just want to talk a little bit about a pizza place, okay? There's a pizza place in Park Rapids called Zorba's. Has anyone been to a Zorba's before? All right, a few of us. They're all over in northern Minnesota. The one in Park Rapids is run by my friend Rob, who is um, a follower of Jesus. He's awesome. Uh, Zorba's has a pizza called The Loden. It has pepperoni, jalapenos, and peanut butter. <laughs> and I love it. You can't see the peanut butter. That's an actual picture of it. I got it off their website. You can't see the peanut butter in there, but it's in there. It's under, under there. Um, I think it's great. This year, um, two of the bands that I play with went up to Zorba's to play shows in Park Rapids. And the first time was with my band, The River High, which includes, you can see... Uh, Mr. Joe Massance, who's in the building this morning, and Rena, who's leading worship. Um, and to my sadness, that none of my bandmates in the River High, not even Rena's wonderful husband, Brent, like the Loden as much as I like it. You ever have that moment where you say, here's something awesome, I'm going to share it with you, it's going to blow your mind, and everybody goes, nope. <laughs> so I felt a little bit crushed on the inside. The second time I went... I went with my other band, Lot of Phoenix, and uh, you can see that in that band, uh, Sam Klein is in it behind a symbol right there, okay? 
So our own Sam Klein plays for that. Um, and it turns out that everybody in that particular configuration of that band likes to load in quite a bit. So I thought that that was fun. But that's not really why I'm talking about Zorba's, not because of the pizza. There was a conversation that I had at Zorba's the second time we were there with somebody who I'm going to call Mandy. And I want to tell you about that. Mandy had brought her 17-year-old son, who's legally blind, from almost two hours away to Park Rapids to the show. She was coming to see the Gear Daddies. We were opening for the Gear Daddies. So they did not drive almost two hours to see us. They drove almost two hours to see the Gear Daddies. Uh, they got there and they found that the show was 21 plus. And of course, her son's 17. What a disappointing situation, right? And so the headliner, the Gear Daddies, and Rob, the, the uh, person who runs Zorvis, came up with a plan to make a special place for them, side stage, okay? So that they could kind of be in a place where it was obvious that there wasn't anything like, you know, and no over 21 action was going on in that particular section, okay? Just happened to be right next to where uh, my band's merch table was. And so Mandy and I got to talking. Mandy had been a travel manager for the band KISS for a number of years. She had all these photos of her, like, standing around with KISS, uh, which I thought was pretty cool because I've been, you know, I grew up listening to KISS quite a bit. And then she found out that my day job is being a pastor. Turns out she thought that was pretty cool as well. So uh, I started wondering as we talked whether God was up to something in this conversation. Mandy shared that she used to live out east and she had a great church. But it had been hard to find a church now that she had moved to a smaller town in Minnesota. She said she'd tried a church that wasn't much into the Holy Spirit. And so that didn't work very well for her. Uh, she said that she tried a church that was very into the Holy Spirit to the extent that they were super weird, and that didn't fit for her. She said that she had tried to fill her church needs by doing church online, listening to famous pastors who were excellent preachers, uh, but that church wasn't church without real people to do life with. It sounded like she was looking for a church that was like this one, Right? And I honestly didn't have the heart to talk about this church a lot. It just seemed like that would be mean almost, right? I did say that I think my church is great, but I mostly listened to her heart and her desire to have a place. And at the end of the night, Mandy and her son, brought they bought all of our merch, like one of everything, which was very cool. But then she handed me two $20 bills, and I was confused. I was like, what? you know?" And she said... This one's for me, and this one's for my son, and I want you to put them in the offering next time you're at your church, which is what I did. This situation is exactly the kind of thing that Jesus was talking about in Luke chapter 10. Mandy hasn't found a church that can gather her in yet. There are probably great churches around, right? But she hasn't found the people who can connect her to God. And I bet that there are more people like that in her town. There's a harvest out there, but the workers are too few. Right? And that brings us to today's parable. It's found in Matthew chapter 20, and it's called the parable of the vineyard workers. Decent that something will apply to us here. Okay? 
there are three questions I want us to answer as we listen. Um, who is the landowner? That's the first question. The second is, who are the workers? And then the third is a bonus one. I'll do it at the very, very end. Who planted the seeds in the first place? Who planted the field? Okay. Matthew 20, 1 through 16. Let's start it. This is Jesus talking. For the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. At nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went out to work in the vineyard. At noon and again at three o'clock, he did the same thing. At five o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again and saw some more people standing around. He asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one has hired us. The landowner told them, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. Okay, question number one, who is the landowner? Yeah, Jesus tips us off at the very beginning in the story. He says that the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner. So we can assume that this is God, right? God, the one who created everything and happens to own all things in the earth. He's the one who's being described as the one who owns the entire field. In the Old Testament, in Isaiah 5, there's also a passage about God being the owner of a vineyard. You could look that up sometime if you'd like. In that passage, God is so sad that it's not producing good grapes. And in contrast, here in this story, the vineyard in this story is producing good grapes that need to be harvested, but there aren't enough workers, so God is going out to hire the workers. Within this story, I think we learn more about God than might be obvious right at the very beginning, like at the first glance. I've really enjoyed spending time with this story this week. First of all, the owner doesn't send someone else to go out and find the workers, does he? He obviously cares enough about this field, about this vineyard, to go hire people himself. And God doesn't go out just once. Did you notice that? He goes out at 9 a.m., he goes out again at noon, he goes out a third time at 3 p.m., and he goes out a fourth time at 5 p.m. He's just looking for everyone who's willing. For God, this harvest is worth a lot of work, isn't it? He's spending his whole day going out, finding people, hiring people, taking them back. Going out, finding people, hiring them, taking them back. I'd do it four times, but I think you get the idea, right? So in verse 8, we read, that evening he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at 5 o'clock were paid, so the last ones, they each received a full day's wage. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more. But they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people worked only one hour, and yet you've paid them just as much as you paid us, who worked all day in the scorching heat. Question number one, who was the landowner? God. Question number two, who are the workers? Does that sound like us? Does that sound like people? Yeah. I think it's us. 
in human eyes, we want to see fairness in a certain way, don't we? We often want to see people earn everything that they get in the way that we think is reasonable. Right? The landowner, God, does not see fairness that way. Is he fair? Yes. He's paid the first workers a really good wage, and they agreed to it before they started, right? I did a little research on this, and the wage was actually very generous for a day's work. It wasn't just minimum wage. It wasn't like the bottom of the barrel kind of wage. He paid them generously for a day's work. They're only offended when they see the last workers get paid the same amount. Did you notice that? Jesus repeatedly says that in the kingdom of God, the first will be last. And this is the case here. The last workers get paid first. Do you notice that in the story? Okay. Why do you think the landowner did it that way? Like, couldn't he have paid the first people first and sent them home? And then only the last people getting paid would know what they got paid at the very end? Do you think the landowner wanted to offend the first workers on purpose? What happens when we get offended a lot of the time? And we see our hearts. Do you think the landowner wanted the first workers to actually have a chance to see their hearts in response to his generosity? I think he probably did. In the time of this story, the place that the unhired gathered would have been that, the marketplace. It's like going to the unemployment office today. So you'd go to the marketplace, you'd hang around and see if somebody would hire you, okay? So the landowner is going to the place he will find the unemployed and unchosen people. What were these people doing before the landowner found them? Nothing. Nothing. And how much pay did they have for their day? None. Nothing to do, nothing in their hands. This is how it works in the kingdom of God. This is the way that God does things with us. The landowner in this story, he knows that they're waiting at the unemployment office all day long. And listen for the heart of God in this. As the day goes, he knows they're losing hope that there's someone who believes that they can do work, good work and contribute. As the day goes, he knows they're losing hope that they're going to have any money to take back home at the end of the day. And for those people who got hired at the very end of the day, he knows what they're expecting. What are they expecting? To get paid for one hour of work, right? Wouldn't you expect that? And the landowner knows that they're going to have to go home in their expectation with one hour of pay to feed whoever is at home and to pay whatever bills they have. Our quarterly leadership pub gathering is coming up later today and we've been reading this book called The Infinite Game. And the book is about leadership that doesn't just care about profit right now, but cares about the well-being of employees, customers, society, and creating an organization that, um, that lasts generation to generation to generation, right? Not just the profit right now. 
And um, I know we have some anti-Apple people in our church body, mostly because I sit around a table at staff and I think I'm the, I think I'm currently the only Apple person at the table, okay? Um, but the book actually highlights Apple as, as a company that did one of these things quite well in playing the infinite game. Apple was among the first companies to pay $15 an hour minimum wage, and they immediately give new full-time retail employees the same benefits that the long-standing employees have and the corporate employees have, okay? So that includes full medical and dental coverage, $2,500 in education reimbursement if you wanna take classes outside of work. Um, and they're also given the same options to buy company stock that all the other employees who've been there longer or working bigger, better jobs have. A study on this found that immediately including new full-time employees with the same benefits that the longer-term employees and corporate employees had was no extra cost to Apple in the long run. So receiving benefits before they had earned them made them more likely to enjoy their job, more likely to stay at their job, and it meant a number of things, but included in that was there's less job turnover, so you've gotta train people less, right? And you probably have happier employees that are gonna do a better job. So in short, making the new employees wait for benefits would only be to make the older employees feel better. That's it. But there would be an economic and emotional cost to the new employees, wouldn't there be? The new employees are suffering so that the older employees can feel better. Have you ever been hazed for anything in your life? That's what that is, right? Congratulations, you've made the team. I'm gonna treat you like crap now because I was here before you were, right? It's the same sort of thing. Hazing is just like a upped, upped level of that same sort of thinking. I'm here first, I deserve more, you should pay, you should suffer. The punchline in that one study about Apple said, if the cost is neutral, you probably figured this out, if the cost is neutral, the difference is simply a matter of mindset. It's just what you think about it, right? Kind of like what, what is your heart toward it is really the only difference. In our broken human, we want last workers to stay last, don't we? We want the inferior people to stay inferior a lot of the time, if we're not the inferior one, right? And so we do sometimes act like the first. We okay? We got a ring here, right there. Find it? Cool, thanks. We see something different than this when we see Jesus hanging on the cross. There's a criminal hanging right next to Jesus. He's got criminals on both sides, right? If you know how this story goes, right? One of the criminals says that he knows he's a sinner and he asks Jesus to remember him when he comes into his kingdom. And then Jesus says that this criminal will be with Jesus in paradise that very day. That very day. 
No earning, no waiting. It's a beautiful story, right? I think it is. However, did it ever occur to you, what if, what if it was you or me that that criminal had stolen from and why they're getting crucified on a cross? Or what if it was you or me that knew a family member that that person had murdered and they're hanging on the cross for it? How do you feel when Jesus says, you want me to remember you? Okay, paradise today with me. How do you feel? Are you offended? I'd have a little bit of work to do there. Is it an okay thing to be offended by God? What's God doing? Wants to see our heart, right? Why does God want us to see our heart? So he can help us, right? What are we missing when our heart isn't in the right place? The kingdom of God. What does God not want you to miss? The kingdom of God. God's generosity can offend us. I think it's okay. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise. And the promise that he's talking about is Jesus coming back, ending all suffering, wiping away every tear, and starting the new heaven and the new earth, right? Where everything is awesome for the rest of time and we're all together, you know? Free of everything that has screwed us up, Okay? The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. You ever think the Lord's being slow? I do. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. You ever thought about it that way? Have you been reminded of that lately? Turns out that one of the reasons God waits is to include us. I don't know. Sometimes I think, well, what if Jesus had returned like, 50 years ago. I don't know. What about me? <laughs> I'm not even here yet. I don't know. I don't know how that works, right? So, in a way, aren't we also like the last workers in this parable? We're the ones that are last getting hired. How long has Jesus been inviting people into the kingdom? Long time. But God wants to give us the same thing that the very first disciples got and get you know that jesus wants the very same stuff for you that you know the apostle peter had it's really cool it's really generous did you do what peter did i don't think i did <laughs> you know jesus wants to give us the same sort of reward and the same sort of life so i'm really glad that god is generous he wants everyone to get all the good stuff in the end. He's way more generous than the world says he needs to be. Now, I came to this church 22 years ago at this point, and I was a, you know, younger and broken man. I wanted to follow Jesus. I was already a Christian. John and Sue Marsden were already here. Bruce and Bonnie were already here. 
Uh, I remember Doug Lacey, who's, who's a, a member here, met me, I think my first Sunday. They welcomed me. They didn't make me wait to be a part of this community. They wanted me to be in a life group. I got invited to a life group. I made friends. They wanted me to find a place to serve as soon as I could. And they, and they allowed me a place to lead as soon as I was able and healed up enough. I have received so much from God as I followed Jesus. You know, in this church community and just in my life in general, I've got a God who's with me and communicates with me, a community that loves me. I've got purpose for my life that I couldn't find and I couldn't have any other way. And hopefully that's the same welcome and experience that you're having and have had at River Heights Vineyard. Hopefully that's the same heart you're extending to every person who walks into that door. Because that's the heart of God, isn't it? He wants good things for everyone, including the last person in the door. And that's what the landowner shares with one of the upset first workers in this parable. In verse 13, it says, He answered one of them, Friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I want to pay the last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? So those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be the last. That's the way that Jesus ends it. So those that are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. That's the end of the parable, okay? This message from Jesus applies to us every single day. And it applies specifically to us at River Heights as we look to God in the midst of some of these economic challenges we're having, right? Part of our current challenge is that we did what Jesus told those 72 disciples to do at the very, very beginning, if you remember that verse. We asked the Lord of the harvest to send more workers into the field. That's what we've been asking for a long time. And it turned out that God wanted to send some of our best and most generous people with the Refuge Vineyard Church plant. Okay? And we sent them because there are people in the Rosemont area who are like Mandy from Zorba's or like me 22 years ago. They're ready for the time of harvest. And there's also continued and increased opportunity for us as a result here at River Heights. There are still people in this area who are like you and me and Mandy from Zorba's. God is wanting to use us to bring them in to welcome them with the love of God, to invite them to join in the work of God's kingdom. And so there's an opportunity for us to step up and in and forward in our giving, among other things. And as you heard earlier today in the announcements, Pete said our RHV is to help people love God and love people, and in doing so, change the world, right? It takes work and sacrifice to do our purpose. It doesn't automatically happen, does it? takes some work, and it takes some sacrifice. So maybe when you arrived, you, you, were, you were like me, you know, broken, not yet ready to join in the work. And if so, God bless you. Just keep coming and receiving. That's awesome. That's what we're here for. My hope for all of us is that we can heal and grow and move forward from only benefiting from the purpose of this church into both benefiting and doing the purpose together. 
If you remember, I had a third bonus question. I don't know if anybody remembers it. I'm going to remind you. Bonus question. Who planted the field in the first place? Who planted the seeds? I think the answer is that the landowner, God, planted the seeds. And this is true in our spiritual lives. God the Father sent Jesus to die for every single one of us in a very, very specific um, example of this. In John 12, 23, Jesus said that unless a seed falls into the ground and dies, he's talking about himself, he's talking about himself dying on the cross, right? It remains only one seed. But if that seed dies, it will produce many seeds, right? It dies, comes out of the ground, get a whole bunch, right? That's how that works. That's how it works in the kingdom. This Jesus is the seed, is he not? The seed. He died on the cross, death, I rise. He lives forever, and he offers us his family forever. Can I say that sentence again? He died, he conquered death. He lives forever. He offers us a place in his family, not just now, forever. We do not have to die for anyone's sins like Jesus did. Praise God. Thanks be to God, right? But we do get to work and sacrifice along him, along with him, right? It's an honor and it's a joy. It's a privilege. In our service and in our financial giving, we are sacrificing and we are planting seeds along with Jesus. That's one of the things that's happening. I think it's beautiful. So who has planted the seeds here at River Heights Vineyard? The easy Bible school. God did that. But there were people here before us, weren't there? Pretty much every single one of us, unless you were like the Marsdens, right? Um, all those people and in their hearts of generosity planted those seeds, right? I mean, I arrived here, and there was already a church. I didn't plant those seeds. But it's currently our turn to harvest and plant. And so, whether you're a member here or not, if you regularly give here, whether it's big or small, I just want to say, God bless you. I think the Lord's heart is to say thank you. And if you're not yet giving regularly here, God bless you as well. We're not here to like push on people or shame anybody at all. But my hope for all of us is that we will take our next for, our step forward in God's kind of generosity. The harvest is worth the work and the sacrifice. Do you believe it? I believe it. And so I'm just going to invite you to stand as you're able. And I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. And I also like any of our prayer team people, every single one of our trained prayer people, if you would be willing to come forward and make yourself available to pray, that would be awesome. Because some of our best prayer people went with the Refuge Vineyard Church plant. <laughs> Can I just pray over us that God would speak to and enable us to do whatever generosity he has for us in this season? Is that all right with you? God, thank you for your generosity to us that isn't the same kind of way that the world thinks it should go. Thank you that you're better than that, even if it offends us. And Lord, I ask that you um, 
would continue to grow your kind of generosity in our hearts and that you would connect that to whatever we're doing on the outside. Um, I just specifically ask um, not only for our whole lives, but that you'd continue to be good and you'd continue to do your work and um, uh, you know, help us address this being behind stuff where we're doing this, this campaign. Thank you for your generosity through us that we've seen already. It's super encouraging, God. You're making us believe all over again. I ask you to bless my friends. Would you fill them with your love? Make them aware of what you're asking every single one of them uh, to do. And God, I ask that there'd be encouragement in your presence and your joy and your freedom as they step forward. Amen. Okay, we end our services with the time to just respond to God. Um, these prayer people are awesome. They're trained to pray for you. Um, and the worship team is going to make a space for us to sing to God together. The song that's been selected is something that's really been moving my heart lately. It's a new song for us. Um, I think you'll be blessed by it. I think that it will allow you to say something to God. Um, I'm going to leave you with three tips to put uh, this stuff into practice in your life and in your week ahead. You could read Matthew 20, 1 through 16. It's the story we went over today. Same thing. You could read it to just be reminded and see what God points out to you. And then uh, the pray would be, ask God to send more workers into the field. That's what we've been praying. We've always been about doing that. Keep your ears open, you know? Maybe God wants, through your prayers, to be doing something somewhere else. Maybe God, through your prayers, will say, I'm going to tell you that there's an opportunity for you to talk to somebody, for you to invite somebody to church, for you to be loving and caring and generous to somebody else, okay? So just be aware. It could be big picture. God could be inviting you into uh, being a worker in the field in a specific way in this week ahead. There might be a, a prayer thing associated with this as far as like um, just having a heart of generosity. If I was talking about that part um, where we say sometimes we don't want to be as generous as God is or we're offended by God's generosity, um, I think that there's an opportunity today to have God's Holy Spirit set, set us free, okay? Um, if God was moving your heart at that point, Check, check, okay. If you've been struggling quite a bit and you realize that there's somebody or an overall approach to life where there's like an anger and a other people need to pay kind of thing that might not be in line with God's heart for people, um, have the courage to come forward and get some prayer. I do believe that God would meet you. I know that I have been in that place before. I would be surprised if most of us haven't been in that place or aren't currently in that place in some way, okay? And the do would be work and plant seeds in the vineyard here so we can see a greater harvest. If you are already, you know, serving in a place and if you're already giving regularly, God bless you. Um, but God might be inviting you into something, you know, a step forward or maybe to start for the first time. As I was thinking about this week, I thought that there might be five people um, that haven't started um, giving like regularly and doing what's generous for you, not an amount, but whatever would be generous for you because you feel like it wouldn't make any difference. And I feel like the Lord would, would want you to hear that it's a heart thing, right? He loves your heart and he doesn't care if it's not a huge amount. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't want you to think that what you do doesn't matter. And so there might be 
you know, up to five of us in the room where um, maybe it's a time to test this out in this in this giving campaign for the six months. If you make a pledge because you think you're one of those five, would you just write that on your connection card so I can see whether I heard from the Lord correctly or if I'm wrong? That would be great. Um, yeah, God, would you, uh, would you grow generosity in our hearts in every single way? Thank you that you've made a place for us. Uh, and we just invite everything that you want to do through us. Hear us as we worship you and pray. Bless you, friend.